Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. You are listening to Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station. Faith in Focus takes a look at matters of faith and belief from a female perspective. So much of the world and the way we live our life is a succession of phases. We see it in the natural world with the passing of seasons across the year. The summer brings the bloom and growth. Autumn brings the harvest and the falling leaves. Winter is marked by the barren, harsh dormancy, which leads to hopeful buds and blossoms of spring. And so, the cycle repeats again the next year. The phases of the moon, the female bodily cycles, the passing of night into day, we cannot escape the phases and changes that impact us all during our life. And no phases are more discussed and pondered than the phases of the human life cycle. The long and winding road we all take from birth through toddlerhood, into childhood, adolescence, and finally, with the grace of God, adulthood. Poems have been dedicated to considerations of how we can face the inevitable march of time. And today, on Faith and Focus, we will be exploring how faith changes and evolves as we travel through these phases of life. In a reflective poem, Looking Back, the famous poet Edgar Guest writes... I'd given my time to the children who came, together we've romped and we've played, and I wouldn't exchange the glad hours spent with them for the money that I've made. I chose to be known and be loved by the few and was deaf to the plaudits of men, and I'd make the same choice should the chance come to me to live my life over again. I've lived with my friends and I've shared their joys, known sorrow with all of its tears. I have harvested much from my acres of life, though some say I've squandered my years. For much that is fine has been mine to enjoy, and I think I have lived to my best. And I have no regret, as I'm nearing the end, for the gold that I might have possessed. And today we will be discussing this concept of harvesting much from the acres of life, the years we pass through as we age and grow. Here the poet guest reflects that it is the time spent with loved ones which is more valuable than gold and riches. So how do we find that focus that brings us the contentment described here? How do we judge what to value and how does faith help us guide that choice? And as always, Faith in Focus will be examining these issues through the female lens. I will be joined later by guests to discuss the issue in detail but first we begin with a short report by Qudsi Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. This is Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station. Muslim women are perhaps one of the most written about, yet most mute figures in history. How many Muslim women from history can you name? How many female Muslim inventors? The majority of the non-Muslim world are extremely familiar with the figure of the Muslim woman as a usually black-clad figure covered from head to toe. This woman is written and spoken about endlessly, yet so often is silent. If the voice of Muslim woman is heard, it is most often when she is removing her veil and speaking out about her oppression. Yet, there are millions of women across the world who voluntarily follow the faith of Islam and who live Islamic lifestyles. And there is one group of women in particular who are vocally trying to demystify this silent image of a Muslim woman. 
These are women who affirm that they shall sacrifice their life, property, time and children for the cause of faith, and they also pledge to adhere to truth at all times. These women solemnly promise that they shall always keep themselves ready to serve their faith, nation and country. They belong to an organisation which believes that their efforts are equally necessary as those of men. These women believe that there are tasks which are beyond their daily household chores. This organisation is founded on the notion that the women should strive together to enhance their knowledge and spread the knowledge they have attained to others. In their meetings, these women present papers which they themselves write, specifically in order to learn to use their knowledge. They are instructed by their founding principles to always pay attention to enhancement of their moral and spiritual standard, and not to merely restrict their focus to just eating, drinking and clothing themselves, to fully help each other in this matter and think of and devise ways and means to achieve this. This organisation promotes a feeling of unity amongst members, emphasising the centrality of the mothering role in the raising and education of children. Membership of this body does not infer any special denomination of people. It includes all classes of people, young and old, poor and rich, and therefore there should be no discrimination between the rich and the poor in this body. Instead, love and equality should be inculcated amongst the poor and the rich, and the feelings of contempt and superiority should be eliminated from their hearts, because despite the differences in status, all men are brothers to one another, and all women are sisters to one another. These women work independently from men, because it is in their constitution that women can be better affected by other women. Membership of this organisation begins at 15, with an internal department which works with girls from the age of 7. It began in India 100 years ago with a small number of women in a rural town, but now stretches around the globe. There are branches in more than 100 countries, and all branches are linked together through shared objectives, and constitution, and also central spiritual leader who guides and supports all progress and developments. Women in this community have very high rates of literacy around the world and are found in a large range of professions and academic circles. Women in this community are doctors, lawyers, professors, nurses, writers, artists and also women who remain at home to raise their children. All have equal membership status and membership is lifelong with no superior or inferior levels of membership. The women of this community have funded the building of mosques, schools, clinics and hospitals. They are active in social justice and outreach work, running food banks, hosting peace conferences, speaking at schools and colleges. You may not have heard of this organisation, but it is known as Lajna Imaila. Every woman in the Ahmadiyya community is a member of this organisation and regularly attends meetings of this organisation in order to fulfil the objectives outlined at its inception in 1922. Women of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community maintain an unchanging membership of this group through all the changes of life. From the first flush of youth when they enter at the age of 15, through marriage, raising of children, through the instances which life may throw at you, divorce, widowhood, becoming a grandparent, being a member of Lajna Imaila is unwavering in the face of change. It is a constant in a changing world, 
and it is maintained across any move of location across the globe. Being a member of Lejna Imaila is a privilege and a blessing. It is an uplifting, empowering force in a world facing myriad challenges. So through all the phases of life, being a member of Lejna Imaila is a faithful friend on a woman's individual journey. It is a bonded sisterhood which provides community and support in times of difficulty and congratulations and shared joy at times of celebration. It is a unique organisation which continues to expand and evolve its role year on year. Thank you, Kudzi Ahmed, for that short report. Today we're reflecting on the phases of life and how they impact on faith. We just heard a short report on the founding principles and objectives of Lajna Imaila, and as briefly mentioned, this organisation is marking 100 years of existence in 2022, and a year of reflection and celebration is being held in all branches of the globe. As we heard, membership starts at 15 years old and continues throughout one's life. I myself am an active member of Lajna Imaila and have regularly attended meetings, competitions and get-togethers organised by the Lajna. I have friends who are fellow members and have benefited greatly from belonging to this inclusive sisterhood. So I'm going to be joined by my guests now to reflect on how Lajna supports us as women as we journey through the phases of our life. We have three studio guests on this show, Savia Shah, Oneza Ahmed and Sophie Ahmed. Savia is a British-Canadian and has an interest in design and religion. She holds a Master's in Contemporary Religion and Society from King's College London. Anaza has recently finished her MSc in Molecular Medicine at Imperial College London. And Sophie is a teacher, educational consultant, a former deputy head teacher and a budding entrepreneur. So, assalamu alaikum, ladies, welcome. Wa alaikum assalam. You know, I'd like to begin by asking our guests, what is your relationship with Lajna Amaila today? How does membership of this organisation impact your life? Um, if I come to you first, Savia. Thank you. I think that's really interesting, um, the impact of motherhood that you're mentioning there. I think we often overlook that friendship comes in many forms and fulfils different purposes. You've mentioned friends, which are peers, as well as those friends who fulfil a mothering or a grandmothering role. And it's so lovely to reflect upon, and it's true for me too, that I find friendship to be strong and a sustaining bond in my life. Um, Sophie, how about you? Do you feel the same? You know, that's a really interesting question, because of course, where you are in the present with any relationship in life is based on the seeds you've sown in the past for it how you've nurtured, watered and nourished that relationship. My relationship with Lejna is honestly like one of a mother to her child, me being the child, of course. I love it, I admire it, I crave its attention. When I serve it, I feel so satisfied and at the same time, I can get exasperated as well. And that's okay, as long as that exasperation is a means to improve myself or society. And even this element of our relationship is supported through mechanisms such as the Shura, of course, Majlis Shura is an Islamic institution, which literally means a consultative body, and it is at the core of our community. We have a separate Shura for our women's auxiliary, which convenes annually. And through the mechanizations of the main administrative system of our Amdiya Muslim community. It is, at its core, a very reciprocal relationship. 
But my relationship with the legend of my life is not based on the connection I have with any human being or any one individual. More so, it is with the connection I cultivate between myself and Allah, his Prophet, peace be and blessings of Allah be upon him, his Messiah and Mahdi, peace be on him, and his Khulafa or Caliphs, and thus the respect I feel I must show to administrative systems of the community. Yes, you know, I agree. I've, we've probably, Sophie, both been fortunate to have um, gone through a number of changes in the leadership of Lajna during our lifetime, that there are term periods for the president of Lajna. And um, despite change, there's also consistency that that relationship with whoever is in office or whoever are um, leading the executive body is always warm and friendly and always open and they're always listening Um so I found that, that, you know, absolutely, as you said, the, the respect and that friendship is, goes beyond the personal, the individual. It's more to the office and the organisation. And um, Anesa, how about you? You're slightly younger than uh, Sophie and I. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, what's your experience been like? Well, I've, I've now been a member of Legendary Myla for eight years. And I think my relationship with Legendary Myla has grown stronger with each passing year. Today, it's my home... It's my school. It's sort of my field of action. It's a place where I learn. It's where I practice. It's also where I feel challenged. And I think it's in the women that have been part of this organization in the past and are a part of it today that I take my inspiration from. And it's also a place of comfort. I know I have sisters wherever there is Lajna Imaila, whichever country or culture its members may be from, the bond of sisterhood that Lajna creates, it transcends all such differences. And to answer your question on how being a member impacts me, I want to quote a saying of the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which is, in matters of the world, look at those below you, but in matters of faith, look at those above you. And I feel that Lajna Imaila helps me put this guidance of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, into practice. You know, being a member inculcates a sense of responsibility and sisterhood. It teaches me to empathize and, you know, it gives me several opportunities to serve those around me, those who may be less privileged. And through Lajanai Maila, I'm reminded of their pain and my duty towards them to sacrifice my time and money out of sheer compassion, you know, without an expectation of a reward. And for looking at those better in faith, I find that there are so many in Lajanai Maila to look up to who are excelling in their services of faith and humanity. And each time I feel like I've achieved something, I look around and I find Lajna members who have far exceeded me. But that's not something that creates envy or resentment. In fact, I find that those better than me have sort of paved the path for me and they stand with their hands stretched towards me to pull me up. And those who've you know, reached greater heights find ways of lifting those around them, which is also a defining feature of a community of servants of God. And this is what Lajna Maila literally translates to. Um, the purpose behind all our efforts is to morally and spiritually uplift others. And I feel very fortunate as well that as individuals and as an organization, we are blessed with the guidance of our head of community, our caliph, His Holiness Mirza Masur Ahmed, who empowers us and you know, steers us towards excellence. And I've always felt that Lajnai Maila endeavors to support each of its members to achieve the high expectations that His Holiness has of the women of the Indian Muslim community. And it unites the women of our community and helps us take sort of these actionable steps that bring us closer to reaching the vision of our caliph, who believes us to be capable of bringing a moral and spiritual revolution in the world. Mm, I think, you know, it's interesting you're mentioning about um, looking at those above you or who may have achieved more than you or come before you. And I think Mm. 
definitely within Lajna, there's no ego. It's not an ego-based organisation. There's no um, electioneering or trying to achieve a post. It is all about um, being working together as an organisation, and I think that's refreshing in many ways. Yeah. It's interesting to reflect as well that the answers that both of you have given are so different, and serve it. Um, you know, it reflects how as we talked about, phases of our life change and and our attitudes change across our lifetime. And service, which you both mentioned, takes many guises and that which is done quietly without fuss, such as friendship, and that which is done on a larger community-wide scale. Both types of service or all types of service lie at the heart of Islam and it is a fundamental uh, part of, of being Muslim. And your answers have shown that the women of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community do not lag behind anyone in their level of service. I find that there is often a preconceived notion that Muslim women in the world, where they are, um, other people see them as silent or oppressed, but both of you have mentioned how inspiring the members of Lajna Imaila are to you and how the women of the Lajna Imaila vie with one another in good deeds and in reaching their goals and they work mutually as a community towards that. Um, that constructive competitiveness and that mutual support is also a significant part of Islamic teachings. But changing tack slightly, I'd like you to cast your minds back now and think about those foundational experiences that you've had with this organisation. What's your earliest memory of being a member of Lajna Myla? Gosh, I have a treasure trove of memories of Lajna Myla and being a member. Um, but my early memories are, for example... Being woken up on a Sunday morning when I was six, seven, eight, nine years old onwards with my cousins who lived one street away from us and being dragged to Nasrat Lajna classes. Nasrat is the auxiliary organization of young Amdi girls from the ages of seven to 14. Of getting a prayer correct and being praised by my auntie in class and mum's best friend, the late Mrs. Mansura Chaudhary Jaz at one of these Sunday classes, national Tarbiti classes, now, these were training sessions in matters spiritual and moral, where I met Ahmadi girls like me from all over the UK and sometimes even the world, and where we gathered first at Fuzzle Mosque, London, and then Islamabad and Tilford, um, where now the Khalifa of the time resides, of sitting in Mahmood Hall in the Fuzzle Mosque complex when we had the classes there, at the end of these classes, in total hushed silence, and at the age of maybe 11, achieving 80% in my first test, and my parents being so proud and happy. Of doing my first national Tabithi class, I just explained what these classes entailed. So this was in Islamabad Tilford as a residential for two weeks. We had no mobiles, and there was one payphone, and we slept in old army barracks. We studied. The lectures were amazing and carried out in part by retired and current missionaries, as well as Lajna members. We prayed, played, laughed, cried together. It was where I first tried archery and shooting, and I loved it. Where I went horse riding and swimming daily. Where the fourth Khalifa, or Caliph of our community, His Holiness Mirza Tahir Ahmed, came to visit and asked some of us to go for a walk with him so that we could share our experiences and he could check that we were happy of knowing everyone's name around me because there were so few families in comparison to the membership we have today. Not just knowing names, but having close connections with everyone. Of seeing the third Caliph, His Holiness Mirza Nasir Ahmed, when he visited the UK and throwing fresh rose petals at him. Of family and fun that comes with it. 
there really are too many memories to share today. And, uh, you know, I can hear when you're speaking that you're talking about your childhood and there's a lot of joy there in those answers, but also um, very active things that you remember, not passive mm. um, listening, but active activities. And in fact, I remember when those WT classes, um, very vaguely I remember when they started, which was nearly nearly 40 years ago, <laughs> but my mum was one of the women who was organised uh, teaching there because she was a teacher. And I still have people come up to me now, nearly 40 years later, saying, oh, I remember those. They were so much fun. They've left an imprint. But it, as you said, it was on this base of faith and friendship and togetherness. But those memories really do last a lifetime, as, as you've said, Sophie. Um, Savia, how about you? Well, thank you. That's what we call a steep learning curve for sure. But uh, it also shows how responsibility breeds confidence and being given practical tasks enables our young women who belong to our community to develop a can-do attitude, which is so vital in serving local communities and building those bonds which bind. Maneza, how about you? Um, I think my earliest memories are of attending our local meetings where we would have discussions around faith, improving our morals and, you know, taking part in social welfare along with fulfilling the other objectives that are there of um, Lejnai Maila. But I will share my memory of when I experienced what it really meant to be a part of Lejnai Maila. Um, this memory is of taking a test paper on religious knowledge. It's not a story of stressed out, perspiring students sitting in a long exam hall but rather of a sunny afternoon that was filled with love, laughter and great food, of course. Um, I was around 15 or 16 at the time, and I'd recently become a member of um, Lejnai Maila. I remember one of my first thoughts on joining Lejnai Maila was that I would really have to up my game because the ladies were really, really talented. But anyway, back to the story. Um, A Lejnai member graciously offered her home for us to complete the paper, and we all gathered there. And I felt as if I was visiting my answers from the way she welcomed us and laid food on the table. Once someone had emptied their bowl, she would, you know, lovingly refill their bowls. And as, as I sat there, I was touched by just how warm and welcoming everyone was. But I wondered if I would fit in and relate to them because they were far more experienced in a, you know, a much later stage in life than I was. Um, but we finally sat down with our papers and pens in our hands. And that's when I looked around and saw that it didn't really matter whether we were 15 or 50. We were all just students trying to learn more about our faith. And this was our common ground. If someone got stuck at a question, another would help them understand the question and guide where to look for the answer. And it was not against the rules. In fact, the whole purpose of this exercise was to develop a sense of sisterhood and help one another in increasing our religious knowledge, which is also one of the key objectives of Lajnai Maila. And I saw that regardless of age and experience, everyone learned something new. Some learned it from those younger than them, others from those older than them. And I realized that I was right about having to up my game, but it was a healthy competition, you know, motivating us to excel one another. And Lajnai Maila was this place of learning, building on the knowledge that I'd already gained in Nasrat and growing and supporting one another. It was not a race so one person could seek glory and be put on a pedestal, but it was a collective effort to raise our standards so as each would you know, try to uplift the other, there would be no limit to the heights we can collectively reach. And this is the lesson I learned reflecting back and the memory that has sort of stuck with me. Because by the end of that day, the jokes we shared, the experience we had, the knowledge we gained, you know, it made us stronger in our bond and in our faith. And I saw that the beauty of Lejnai Maila was that it unites women from different walks of life, of different generations, and they fit right in as they strive to achieve their shared goal of serving faith and humanity. Thank you. 
You're listening to Faith in Focus on the Voice of Islam radio station. Please join us later as we'll be taking a short break now. You are listening to Faith in Focus. The Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, said, The most acceptable giving of charity in God's sight is which one gives when in good health, seeking wealth, fearing adversity, and hoping for prosperity. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Faith in Focus. Today we're reflecting on the phases of life and how they impact on faith. Now, um, I myself am a teacher and it's part and parcel of my profession to understand how important the years of our youth are to developing well in adulthood. With the right support and skills, any range of difficulties and hardships can be overcome. On that note, how did Lajna Emila support you in your youth, Aneza? I mean, I can go on and on about the several ways in which I felt supported in my youth by Lajna Emila, whether it was workshops enriching my religious knowledge or going away on a survival weekend to learn camping and basic survival skills. The various departments within the organisation have morally, spiritually and intellectually uplifted me. And I think Lerna Mayala essentially has supported me in all aspects of life. But there is one aspect that stands out for me among others. You know, our youth, our teenage years, they're a time of searching for our identity and more importantly, finding the confidence to embrace our identity and express our beliefs, especially when they do not conform to the norms or the trends of the time. And being Muslim women wearing hijab, we wear our faith on our sleeves. It can be difficult when the society constantly pushes the narrative that teachings of Islam of hijab and segregation, they're oppressive and they limit the freedom of women. And it associates women empowerment or liberation with banning the hijab. And doing so, it also shifts the focus to the physical appearance of women over their character, morals and intellect. And at a young age, when we are prone to peer pressure and when teachings of Islam were misrepresented, I felt that Lajna Imaila showed the true picture of this of the progressive teachings of Islam to me. It defined women empowerment and liberation. I would see proud British MD Muslim women well integrated into society and they would visit care homes, donate to charities, they would volunteer. And then I would also see women who were pursuing fields of arts and science and, you know, contributing to society, all while donning their hijabs, observing veil and being devout MD Muslims. It was clear that their faith was not an obstacle, but an aid in them achieving all this. And any meetings and gatherings of Alajna, you know, they became places for me where I could talk about these challenges and hear how our women um, braved them. And it was a place that broadened my horizons, it boosted my self-esteem, and it protected me from succumbing to worldly pressures. And being Hindi Muslims, we are very fortunate to have a sense of purpose and belonging. And in our youth, chasing materialistic desires that can drive us into hopelessness and impoverished the soul. And I've seen that Lajna Imaila boosted that sense of purpose for me and it provided so many opportunities to contribute towards a purpose that was greater than myself. And as I said before as well, we're blessed to have guidance of our current worldwide head, His Holiness Muslim Masur Ahmed. 
Our Caliph, who has such high expectations of us, higher than we can ever imagine ourselves as being capable of achieving, whether it's building hospitals, fundraising, conveying the message of Islam to others, holding our own events, or, or you know, producing and presenting our own shows like this one. And I think having my sight set on a higher goal, a noble cause, saved me from the worldly stresses and insatiable desires. Instead, it diverted my attention from a very young age towards serving humanity and faith. And I saw that through the guidance of our caliph and Lajna putting it into practice, how my hijab and the teachings of Islam, they put me in a higher status than the ideas of women empowerment and liberation mired in immorality ever could. And for that, I, I'm forever grateful. Thank you, Neza. And um, Savia, if I just turn to you and ask, ask you the same question. Thank you, Savia, for that answer. And finally, Sophie, the same question to you. Well, Lejana and Myla was my youth. My friends were mainly Ahmadi Muslim girls. My social life was through Lejana and Myla and being an Ahmadi Muslim. The training received by Lejana and Myla advertently and inadvertently gave me so much confidence. So many of my strengths in later life were born and cultivated through being a Nasrat and Lejana member. It was legendary activities which highlighted my skills and, for example, love of public speaking, writing, reading, the art of debate, the art of quick thinking through extemporary speaking. Um, they all gave me confidence in my identity as an Amdi Muslim girl and then woman. Everyone was my auntie or khala, as we say in Urdu, and the friendships that were born 45 years ago stand strong even today with the grace of Allah. In fact, my Ahmadi friendships are the ones where I feel the most understood in so many ways. Basically, my experiences and relationships with Lajna Maila were to mould my future paths in life. Thank you. And, um, you know, I definitely see that a lot of those things you mentioned about public speaking, writing, writing, reading, these are skills we try to teach in school. So they're valuable in every every area of life. And also the Khalifa has um, many times mentioned to Afghan Muslim women about not having an inferiority complex mm -hmm. and that came to mind as you were mentioning um, Sophie the things mm -hmm. that your skills you learned the support you'd had um, and I think in today's society that's probably really important for a lot of people when we live in this media age of the visual um, Lajna and Myla are working on those lifelong mm -hmm. skills but you know there are many important milestones and decisions in life it might be a decision on what to study where to study etc. What impact did Lajna Imaila have on these significant choices in your life, Anaisa? So Lajna Imaila actually has a department that's designated to catering the needs of students that's called Student Affairs, which was established in 2018 by His Holiness Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah be his helper. And the aim of this department is to promote academic excellence and support in all areas of student life. When it came to deciding my course in university, I, I remember there was a lot of help available um, from the department. I remember there were careers fairs being regularly held, person statement workshops, interview preps, and networking opportunities provided for us. Um, personally, I always knew that I had an interest in science, so I would pursue a field that was related to medicine and research. But obviously there are so many routes to take, and I wanted to explore them before embarking on them. Unfortunately, belonging to Lajnai Myla, I was able to reach out to women who were in fields of medicine, research and teaching and hear about their experiences. And they were eager to help me and even supported me in securing work experience placements. These were women I had never met or spoken to before, but their generosity and kindness to me 
was like that of sisters. And I think that's the blessing of being a part of Lajnai Mayala. You know, they say it helps to know people in the field. Luckily, with Lajnai Mayala, we have so many sisters across the globe in fields of science and art who are ever ready to help and offer their services to uplift us. And now, having completed my master's, I have this opportunity to support students looking to pursue a similar path to mine, just as I was supported. And recently, someone from the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Student Association reached out and asked if I could help a Lajna member studying a similar course to mine. And, you know, that felt like a full circle moment. Also, speaking of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Student, Student Association, they have their societies at different universities, which is another way for Lajna members who are university students to connect, support with one another in, and enrich this, um, the university experience. And one of the greatest things is the selfless spirit of helping one another in Lajna Maila, which is not just towards its own members, but towards all. And now that I'm no longer at university, I know that I have further support available for my career through um, the Muslim Women Research Association. This association um, includes Lajna members striving for the highest echelons in the fields of research to fulfill our caliph's vision of the Muslims. Um, working to restoring Islam's golden age of intellectual progress and advancement. Um, another thing I want to say is that aside from these specific departments, just being members of Lajnai Maila, we become trained and equipped with several transferable skills, I think as you guys were talking about as well. And that can be through taking part in outreach work, social welfare activities, industry and handicraft activities, or even just simply attending our local meetings. We gain so much knowledge and skills at a young age, that by the time we have to write our personal statements to apply for universities, when most students are struggling on what to write, we are fortunate to have a wealth of experience to talk about that has made us into well-rounded individuals. And I think any other institute would charge high fees to teach even a quarter of the knowledge and skills that Lajnai Maila gifts us, sort of free of charge. Like, it's our very right to have them. Thank you. And, you know, we're talking about phases of life today. We've talked about youth and um, motherhood is no doubt another important moment for many women. And it is a significant phase in their life if they are lucky enough to to become mothers. So how does Lajna support mothers who are members of this organisation? Savia, I'll come to you first. Thank you. And um, Sophie, same same question to you. So being a member of Lajna Maila Ahmadiyya isn't like other memberships to organisations. It's so much more than being a card-holding member. It's literally a part of my fibre as a human being. But I honestly believe that Ahmadi women are so privileged compared to other Muslim communities, and we are trailblazers in so many ways. Lajnai Maila has given women a space and a voice. It accommodates all women, including mothers, and is open to improvement. The message of Lajnai in Maila is perfect, but of course we are human beings, and to err is human as Alexander Pope, poet of the Enlightenment, said. He also said, to forgive is divine. And so where there may be room for improvement, that is down to human efforts. But as humans, we should always aspire to forgive and assist in moving our ancillary organizations forward for the cause of our faith and dedication to Allah and his prophet, peace be upon him. The beauty of being a member of Lajnai Maila with the grace of Allah is that I have been an active member and have been given the space to serve as a young girl, as a young woman, as someone who was married, then divorced, then married, as a single mum of one and as a married mum of four, 
as a career-driven teacher and as a stay-at-home homemaker and as a more mature member of the organisation. Yes, I mean older, but hopefully wiser. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And um, I think I'll just relate here something that I was thinking of um, about motherhood is that uh, I was actually abroad in in a, a Middle Eastern country when I had my third child and the community there was quite small. And I will say many of the women from that community were from Pakistan. Many of them didn't necessarily speak English because they were in a Middle Eastern country and not not in the UK. Um, but my son, my third child, was born there prematurely and he was very, very small. Um, and we had obviously no family there. He'd been born much earlier than we were expecting. And um, the local people there arranged for us to be given dinner every day. And these not all the families were wealthy, but food was brought to our house for the whole family every day for seven days. And it was so delicious. It was like lovely desserts and lovely food. And that is um, priceless. You know, that's a service and a sisterhood. I didn't ask for it. It was voluntarily given by them. And they would do that for any mother and new mother. And... Um, you know, that's something that, you know, I couldn't find anywhere else. A community of women who are just selflessly organising amongst themselves to support a new mother. And I think that that's um, something I won't forget and that I'm actually definitely always, always grateful for. So, you know, reflecting further, I don't think we stay the same as we age. We grow emotionally and spiritually as we encounter different events in our life. Um, So change is definitely part of life. So given that, how does your relationship with Lajna Amila, how has it changed in your life? Sophie, if I come to you first. Well, most certainly we grow and evolve in every way during the span of our lives. And the beauty of Islam is that it is a faith that is a way of life and so fits into all times, cultures and stages of individual life. My late mother, Salia Safi Mahmood, was my mentor and mentor and guiding light and to me represented the best of every world. She was involved in the general community, as well as Lejna Imaila, since her first conscious and cognizant thoughts. To me, she represented in many aspects of her life the perfect balance and was most certainly my font of knowledge, a term that the fourth Khalifa, His Holiness Mirza Tahir Ahmed, had used to describe her. Before her marriage, she assisted the then president of Lejna here in the UK, Mrs. Abdus Salam. She was my mother's mentor. And then my mum went on to serve many more Lejna presidents throughout her life. Mum was a present and full-time mother, wife, daughter and sister. She was a senior chartered librarian and had attained a degree in English literature and library sciences. She worked full-time until I was in my 20s. She was London regional president of Lejna in my life for over 15 years. And she was also an honorary member of Lejna UK national executive body for more than that. But she told me that when I became a mother for the first time at the age of 25, that our attachment to our Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Khalafat and thus Lajna, was permanent and strong, but that there would be times in our lives as mothers where we, would always be, we wouldn't always be able to have the kind of duties and roles in Lajna and the community that we had before our children were born. And that was okay. Our hearts had to be dedicated to the message of the promised Messiah, peace be on him, and our covenant with his community and how we showed that dedication would be something that was flexible. There was a time when our children would be old enough for us to take on more, 
that we shouldn't feel left behind because Allah assures us in the following hadith or saying of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And I quote, When a servant of mine advances towards me a foot, I advance towards him a yard. And when he advances towards me a yard, I advance towards him the length of his arms spread out. When he comes to me walking, I go to him running. Bukhari. I pray that may Allah always enable us to run towards Allah, his Khalifa, and our duties as members of a community of servants of Allah. I mean, I think that's very um, touching, as you said there, but also in a very stark contrast to our working lives, um, where I've seen colleagues return from maternity leave and just be expected to carry on exactly as they were before they had children. And it's almost as if if you are a working woman, you have to separate your home life from your working life. These have to be very two very mm. separate things, usually. But as you said, in Lajna, that's not the case. There's there's a recognition that you can still do things, you can still contribute, but that sometimes it might change. And that, that flexibility, I think that's worth saying. And um, you mentioned the late um, Mrs. Abdus Salam there. And I just wanted to mention an anecdote about my, my mother, as you mentioned your mother, Um that she was, she was, she is an English woman. My father was an English man, and they came to London to have their nikah ceremony uh, in the London Mosque. And they didn't really know many people in London at that time, and the community was very small. And um, Mrs. Salam came to know that they'd come to London to have their nikah, and they were going to stay in the mosque for a few days. And she said to them that you can't just have no nothing, no celebration. She said, you can't just have your nikah. We must help you do something. So my mother gave her £10, which is astronomical <laughs> in today's society. She gave Mrs. Salam £10. And Mrs. Salam provided all the food. And she called all of the newly married couples who lived in that area and called them to the Fuzzle Mosque. And they had a little food together. And my mother didn't know any of them. But some of those ladies who came to her very small wedding, mm. she still knows now, oh, 50 yeah. years later. And this is what we're talking about in Lajna, that nobody's asking you to do something, but you've got that service of here's somebody who needs something. They don't even know they need it. They don't mm. recognize they need it. But that service has a lasting impact. So, again, something that my family will always be grateful mm. for, that just that kindness that you can't, you know, can't pay for it. It's <laughs> something that, you know, comes... Uh, it is such a blessing. And, you know, speaking of our, of our mothers and different phases in life, old age is a very emotional topic. And we've seen, in terms of our looks, the growth of Botox and plastic surgery in, in recent years. And there's a quest, it seems, to appear youthful. And that quest remains potent and central to many women. So how does Lajna Emila approach this delicate topic within its organisation? How does ageing impact your membership of this organisation? Savia, if, if I come to you first. Thank you. Um, and thank you very much for that, Savia. And, and, and I think that's a poignant point to finish the programme on. I'd like to thank all of my guests for coming today and sharing their thoughts. It has been informative and, in, and it's been an insightful discussion. I'd like to leave the listeners with a quote from the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Hazrat Mizra Masroor Ahmed, which encapsulates one of the founding purposes of Lajna Imaila. And it is, I quote, May all of you, through your conduct, 
disprove those who say that Islam treats women in the wrong way. In fact, may all of you prove to the world that women, the women and girls of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community are shining examples of Islam's true teachings and those who understand the true meaning of freedom through which a woman's honour and dignity is established. And I'd like to thank our guests for coming and for giving me the chance to just consider the way Lajna has impacted my life and I've remembered a lot of things just while sitting here um, and that's a gratitude and we all know that gratitude is very good for your mental health and your well-being so uh, I hope that listeners at home can also take a moment to think and reflect on those moments when Lajna, members of Lajna Myla have reached out and and impacted them in a positive way and perhaps maybe even remember to say thank you to, <laughs> to the <laughs> ladies who've done that if you see them. So please tune in again next time for more discussions on faith from a female perspective. Faith in Focus was produced by Mrs. Shamin Butt.